And uh, so I'm grateful for Brother Bo and, and his masterwork there that he's done and, and presenting those. And we might move those out because somebody might need to pray for folks who are kneeling there. And uh, so we want to we just follow the direction of the Holy Spirit through all of this. Uh, but we're grateful. Once again, so good to have Mike McGlone and his family with us. I just love him dearly, and, and I know he's got a precious family. It's so good to meet them today, and hope I get to meet them formally. And, and uh, we just thank God for the mark that God's making. We continue to pray for Brother Barry's family. Um, I failed to mention this last week that his brother-in-law got killed in a car accident. And, his, uh, and your sister, she's doing okay, doing as well. We're going to pray for his sister uh, during this time as well. But I want to take you over to a place I believe that is significant. Isaiah 43, verse 18, we're going to read from the Passion. But I want to talk about a subject that you might remember, you might not. It's not that's not significant. But I heard this term, and it really put me on a path. I'm fascinated by it because there's a spiritual side of it. And uh, you're, I'm gonna, not going to say that word yet, but I want to read first from Isaiah 43, beginning in verse 18. In the King James, he says, Forget now the former things. In the Passion, it says, Stop dwelling on the past. How many know that your past does not define who you are? That your past can really manipulate you and control you, the past you can't change. Only one can change the past. And he can wash away our sins. It says, don't even remember those former things. I'm doing something brand new, something unheard of. Even now it sprouts and grows and matures. Don't you perceive it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and open up flowing streams in the desert. Now let me tell you something about uh, flowing streams in the desert. Jesus stood on the great day of the feast in John 7 and said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So if you feel like a desert, don't worry. Jesus knows how to open up the springs and to refresh you. And he says, wild beasts, jackals, and owls will glorify me, for I'll supply streams of water in the desert and rivers in the wilderness to satisfy the thirst of my people, my chosen ones, so that you whom I've shaped and formed for myself, listen, will proclaim my praise. Let me read that verse again. I'm going to open this up to give you refreshing. It'll be as though you have no lack. Come on, do you understand? God wants you to be conduct yourself in a way that even though there may be needs and, and we voice our needs, and, and, but we don't let those things control our life. It's important because uh, if, you're, if you're focused on him, you won't be distracted by all the other stuff. And he says, so that you whom I've shaped and formed for myself will proclaim my praise. He uses Jacob's name in the very next verse. And, <coughs> and there's a place that he says that I'm even he that blots out your transgressions and your iniquities. But I want to talk to you about a word, but I'm going to do it, use it in a spiritual sense. We're going over to Genesis 30 in a moment. Because I believe this is significant. What Deidre shared with you, God knows how to unravel our religion and bring us into a, a relationship. Because it's only through relationship and being in the presence of the Lord that our lives can really change. It can't change by just simply trying harder. 
every year people make New Year's resolutions. And they, it lasts for a few weeks, maybe a month or so, or maybe even longer. But sometimes it's important to know that there's one transforming power that will change your life for the better and forever. And, it, and there's a word I want to use called uh, epigenetics. You ever heard, how many have heard of that word? Epigenetics. It's the study of how you, your behaviors and environment can cause changes that affect the way your genes work. Unlike genetic changes, epigenetic changes are reversible and do not change your DNA sequence. sequence, sequence. But they can change how your body reads your DNA sequence. All of us have 8 billion people. Nobody has the same DNA sequence. Gene expression refers to how often or when pro I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. How often when proteins are created from the instructions within your genes. While genetic changes can alter which protein is made, epigenetic changes affect gene expression to turn genes on and off. God already knew this before the scientist ever came out with this. In fact, he, he's the one that put this stuff in place. Since your environment and your behaviors, such as diet and exercise, that's all they mentioned. There's a lot of other factors involved. Can result in epigenetic changes. It's easy to see the connection between your genes and your behavior and your environment. Let's go to Genesis 30. We're going to make a confession in just a moment. Verse 25 in Genesis 30 from the King James. I'm going to read it from the King James. And it came to pass, my five favorite words in the Bible. Whatever it is, it didn't come to stay. Even my youth despised... Remember the Lord now in the days of your youth while the evil days come not. Understand what evil days are now. They're days when you don't take the risk you used to take because it's not worth it. And, and, and when you read, it came to pass when Rachel had mourned Joseph. Rachel had been barren. Leah had been given children and, and there was a conflict. God knows how to resolve conflicts, but his timing's important. He said... Jacob said unto Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country. He's been working for Laban for 20 years. The first seven years he worked, he wanted Rachel. Laban required seven years. Rachel was the younger sister. It's not customary to give the younger sister in marriage first. You got to understand, but Laban's not a good guy. He, for, let me tell you something about Jacob. He hadn't, made, he hadn't made all the right decisions either. And I need to say one thing. For every Jacob, there's a Laban somewhere down the road. Because God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So during that 20 years, Laban had changed Jacob's wages 10 times. 
And Jacob comes and said, let me go to my country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I, I've served you. And let me go that, that you may know my service, which I've done thee. And Laban said to him, I pray thee, if you found favor in my eyes, tarry, wait. For I've learned by experience, don't miss this, that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Now, how many know you can't really be a blessing unless you realized how blessed you are? And I'm about to tell you how. And Laban said, Okay, tell me what I owe you and I'll give it to you. He said to him, you know I've served you and how your cattle was with me. It was, it was little, Jacob to Laban, before I came. You didn't have much before I showed up. But now it's increased into a multitude. And the Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now when, I, when shall I provide for my own house? So I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to take you down to verse 35. Jacob asked Laban for one thing. He said, just let me have all the streaked, the spotted, and the speckled herd of your flock. And you keep the black and the brown and the solid colors. And Laban said, okay. But in the meantime... Laban sneaks around and takes all the spotted, the speckled, and the straked out of the herd and goes three-day journey into the wilderness because he wants to hold on to Jacob. And he's very, being very deceitful and underhanded and covert. But how many know God's got a plan? I want to show you something here. I hadn't forgot about epigenetics. But he says, he said, and he removed that day, this is Laban, those that were ring straight, spotted, and all the she-goats that were speckled, spotted every one that had some white in it, and all the brown among the sheep, and gave them to the hand of his sons. Laban put them in the hands of his sons. And he set three days' journey between him and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. And Jacob took him rods, watch Jacob, of green, poplar, hazel, and chestnut. And he peeled it till there were white stripes in those rods. And he takes it to the watering trough and he lays it in front of all the solid color animals. Because what I'm about to tell you is epigenetically, whatever you behold is what you'll become. Whatever you're looking at will influence your life. Whatever you meditate on God told, the Lord told, uh, told uh, it, was, it was Joshua who was chosen to lead the children of Israel after the death of Moses in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. First verse I committed to memory. He said, this book of the law, my word shall not depart out of your mouth, but you'll meditate in it day and night to observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. Why? Because reading the word and getting it in your heart will transform you. What you're looking at is something that can't be seen by anybody else. What you're beholding. Now watch. He set the rods which he'd Peeled, verse 38, before the flocks and the gutters and the watering troughs when the flocks came to drink and they should conceive. When they came to drink and the flocks conceived before the rods and brought forth cattle, ring straight, speckled, and spotted. 
And Jacob did separate the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the ring straight and all the brown and the flock of Laban. And he put his own flocks by themselves and he put not any of those that were born to him into Laban's flock. And it came to pass whensoever the stronger cattle conceived that Jacob laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutters, in the watering troughs. They're looking at the streaks while they're drinking. Out of your belly shall flow rivers. It matters what you're looking at while you're drinking. He says, when the cattle were feeble, he didn't put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. And the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maid service and men service and camels and donkeys. Verse 31. We find Laban is three days away. Jacob goes to his wives, who is Rachel and Leah. He's been there for 20 years. For seven, he worked for, and, and Laban tricked him and gave him Leah. I love the Bible. It said Rachel was a fair woman, but Leah's eyes were weak. She was the older. So Laban tricked him on his wedding night and gave him Leah. So he had to work seven more years for Rachel. And after that 14 years, he had to work six more years to tend the flock before he could get his wages. He's been manipulated by Laban. Be careful who you connect yourself with because it'll keep you in delay. But God is teaching Jacob timing. The timing of God is impeccable. And I've learned anymore when I pray, I, I, I try not to put a face on what the answer looks like. I try to let the Lord do that because he's, he's epic. He's extraordinary. He puts such a better picture of answer. And, and, and so... I want to take you to a, a, a very important thing about epigenetics is that your environment, your behavior, your diet, what you eat, and your exercise determines how your body responds and, and your body reacts to the DNA, how it responds. It can't change the DNA sequence, but it can really determine how your body uh, reads that DNA. So now I want to take you over to John 3, verse 3. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. I'm about to get happy now. And he comes by night because he's afraid. But he wants to know. And, and notice he don't send a represent. He could have sent somebody. But he wanted a firsthand report. He wanted to know himself. He didn't, want get, he didn't want to get secondhand information about Jesus. And he came, comes to Jesus. He said, I know you're a teacher sent from God because nobody can do the miracles that you do and not be sent by God. And Jesus 
begins to answer Nicodemus' question about eternal life and being saved. And he says to nobody, unless a person is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, if you look up that word born, gano, it means to regenerate. Let me just put it this way. Epigenetically, it means to regene. You've been regened. Because first, if you read in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, having these exceeding precious promises, beloved, we've been made partakers of the divine nature. The Holy Ghost lives in us as children of God. He's come to be our champion, to, to, to help us to deal with all the issues that we struggle with in a world that's broken, in a world that is full of darkness and full of uh, hopelessness. He's brought us to, to bring and show forth His glory, to manifest us according to 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished uh, extravagantly upon us that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when He appears, when we see Him. What are you looking at? What are you beholding? Because whatever you constantly behold is what you will become. We'll be like Him, for we'll see Him as He is. Wow. It's important when you think about Gano to be regened, regenerated, be partakers of the divine nature. My goodness, the CDC could never ever understand this fact. They could never, that's who kind of did the study on the epigenetics and you know, you understand that science can only prove that God exists. It can really prove that God is real. Now, I want to, th I want to tell you about being regened and what you look at. Beholding whatever you're focused on, if, if that's what you become. Now, let me, let me take you here. Because this has transformed my life. This has changed my life. I'm telling you, this, this works. I, I was raised in very strict religion most of my life. At, at a certain point, for a, for a window of my life, it was more about having your hair cut right. You know, my mom, I, I remember one time I really got upset because I had a duck tail. And I had to go get a haircut. And my mom called the barber before I got there. I'm not going to call his name. He's his precious man. I told him how to cut it. I wanted a box and he gave me a taper. Because mama had called him ahead of time and said taper his hair. I cried. <laughs> but but you, you understand that this was a moment in my life that God trained me and began to talk to me, showed me some things that, that, that all of this is not in vain. All that I went through, 
all the religion and the trying harder was a moment for me to become so frustrated that I realized that that would never work because my works would never be enough and that my trying harder would never get me into the place that, w- that I would be transformed and, and I, would, I, I would understand the fact that when I understand I'm loved. This is not pride and arrogance. When we understand how deeply loved we are, there's something that epigenetically happens. Then all of a sudden, it affects our genes. Begin to respond to the right influence. And the... Think it not strange concerning the fire trial as though some strange thing happened to you. For it's working a far greater work of glory in you uh, than you can even imagine. Uh, That's what Peter said. And you understand the scripture says in another place. It says, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Why? Because the more you look at him, the more you walk with him, the more you're intimate with him, the more you stay in his presence, the more of a threat you are to the adversary. And all of a sudden, your struggle becomes one that is relieved by the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that he's got this. I want to show you something. When he said, behold, what manner of love. Over in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, if you then be risen with Christ, his resurrection is your resurrection too. Seek those things which are above where Christ sits. Seek or look at those things which are above where Christ sits. For you're dead. And your life is hit. It almost sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? You're dead and your life is hid. If I'm dead, I shouldn't get upset when the traffic's Bumper to bumper in a parking lot in the interstate. If I'm dead, I shouldn't get upset when there's a long line at Walmart. Oh, let me meddle a little bit. Because I've been right here. I've been right here where I let every little thing epigenetically affect me. And my behavior was always manipulated by my environment. Jacob learned a really powerful supernatural truth. Now, let me tell you something about Jacob. He didn't stay Jacob. Jacob means supplanter or deceiver. But he's in the lineage. His grandpa is Abraham. His daddy is Isaac. Jacob is under the Abrahamic covenant. You say, Pastor, that was a long time ago. Good news. Jesus come to continue that so that we're under that same one. Oh, my goodness. I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. So here's what's cool. Jacob, while Laban is three days journey, he tells his wife, he tells Lee and Rachel, he said, let's pack up and go. Let's get all of our stuff and 
let's go while your dad, and they said, well, he's robbed us too. There's no need for us to stay here because he's taken what little money we had. He's taken the money and he spent it all. Greed. He spent all of our money. <laughs> uh, I wonder if it was their inheritance. <laughs> but, but you understand that, that here's what they did. Laban was an idolater. He worshiped idols. So Rachel goes in and steals her daddy's idols. I don't know if he had them on a mantle or where it was, but anyway, he, the, she hid them under the pillow on the camel and sat on them. And they're traveling, and, and it took Laban seven days to catch up with them. And Laban said, what have you done? You didn't even let me kiss my daughters by. He, Jacob knew better because God had spoke to Laban, I mean to, to, to Jacob. He said, it's time to take your stuff and go. Time to take your stuff and move on. Why? Because God's got, he's got an appointment with destiny. God's timing's impeccable. If we believe that Romans 8, 28 is true, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and to the called according to his purpose. He had a destiny, a, a, a date with destiny, and God knew it. He had, he had it in his timing, so... He brings him uh, seven days. Laban catches up with him and says, you didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren, my, my children by, and, and you took them all. And, 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 and his sons had already sowed a seed in their daddy's heart. They said, look at this man. He's got more stuff than you. He's, he's been blessed because of you. And, and they sowed this seed in Laban's heart, but Laban knows the truth. He's just being blessed because Jacob is the grandson of Abraham and that blessing is being passed down. I'm going to preach in a minute. Hang with me. It's being passed down through the generations and what God has blessed, no one can curse. The door he's opened, nobody can close. So there, there's seven days. Laban gets there and Jacob tells Laban, said, Laban asked about his idols and, and they said, we don't have them. Said, search Leah's tent. You can search Rachel's tent. You can search my tent. You can search uh, all the tents. You can look. So he looked uh, tirelessly, but he couldn't find his idols because Jacob already said, if you find one of your daughters, if they got them, you can, then they, they got to die. So they looked. He couldn't find his idols. Because the promise, the promise, the bride had taken care of the idols so that her daddy couldn't find them. And she's sitting on them on a camel. <laughs> They're hid in the pillows. And finally he says, okay, let's make a covenant. So they build an altar and Laban understands if he touches Jacob, if he touches any of his stuff, he's got to deal with God because he already had a dream. God told Laban, said, be careful what you do with Jacob. Whether it's good, you better think about it if you're going to do bad to him. Laban 
listened up. And he told Jacob, he said, let's make a covenant. They make a covenant and Jacob says, okay, I won't mess with any of your stuff. I'll take care of your family. I'll take care of your daughters. They're my wives and, and don't ask me to explain all that. But they had like 16 great-grandchildren and great-grandchildren. By the time they reached this particular location, Jacob and his family had grown, and he's got 16 children and grandchildren all together. These are the patriarchs. And you understand something about the power of God's multiplication. Jacob winds up and he, hear, he hears actually Esau, his brother. He's been running from his brother because he had, he had stolen the blessing and he stole the birthright. And Esau had threatened to kill him, so he's running for his life, but he's on his way back. And he gets to a place called Bethel, the house of God. Makes a pillow out of stones. Same kind of covenant he made with Laban. He builds an altar and lays his head on it. And he has a vision. Angels ascending and descending. He said, oh, this is the gate of heaven and the house of God. And I didn't know it. Wasn't too long after that, Jacob is wrestling with a man all night long because he had to come out of 20 years of serving Laban. He had to come out of that place he had been in running for his life to get back to destiny. And God brings him to a place where he's wrestling with an angel. And all of a sudden, the angel, the morning begins to break. And he said, what do you want? You got to let me go because it's time for me to go. And he said, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. Jacob had grabbed a lot of stuff in his life. He grabbed his brother's heel when he was born. He grabbed his brother's birthright. He grabbed his blessing. But one night... He grabbed a hold of God. Come on, you understand. Once you get a hold of him, something's going to change and it won't be God. It'll be us. And all of a sudden, he's going to behold something that's going to transform his life. This is epigenetically impossible for this to happen this quick because he's looking, he's wrestling with the angel and the angel touched his thigh. He begins to walk with a limp and said, here's what God says about you. They've always called you Jacob. Every time you heard your name, you heard deceiver, supplanter. Every time you heard your name, you was thinking about the past. Remember Isaiah? Forget the things of the past. The past can't hold you back when God's got a future for you. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to give you calamity, to give you hope and a future. I know the plans I have for you. Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. You understand the power of this destiny is that Israel, Jacob's name was chained. He said, you're no longer being, going to be called Jacob. This is going to be a turning point. And all that you did does not define who you are. 
all that happened to you does not define who you are. Let me tell you who you are. Because you're going to see it in me. You can only really find yourself in him. He said, I'm going to call you Israel. Because you've had power with God. All these years you've walked with me. I know they tried to pull you this way and that way. I know the enemy tried to cause you to be so discouraged you wanted to throw up your hands and quit. I know that there were moments in your life when you thought you were all by yourself, but I've always been there. I've always been there for you. Guess what? <laughs> where you've been, has n there's nothing compared to where you're going. Now, here's, here's the bottom line. I'm, I'm going to pray in a minute. You might forget that. It's okay if you forget that word. I probably will too. Epigenetics. But I want to tell you what, what has changed my life. I stopped looking at the wrong report. I stopped listening to the wrong report. I stopped feeding my spirit with things that the enemy tried to set the table with. I stopped feeding myself about you'll never be good enough. I stopped feeding myself with this spirit, this orphan spirit. No doubt Jacob had an orphan spirit. God changed all that. I'm telling you, I know more people than not that's wrestling with this orphan spirit. Spirit of rejection. Hang with me. I'm about to shout now. <laughs> because I'm reminded... Of Matthew 13. I'm telling you, that changed my life. Seven parables. Always heard that we were the ones who found the treasure. But verse 38 says, the field is the world. Now what would we want with the world? But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So what I came to tell you is today, there's about to be an effect epigenetically in your life. It's going to be amazing because the Holy Ghost is at work. And you're going to be able to look and behold, just like the Jacob's animals, watering the animals at the trough with the stripe and rods laid there before them. And they, the, the, you, you understand something about those brown and black and, and those solid color animals? There was no streaked or striped. Uh, striped or spotted offspring in them until they begin to look. It changed their DNA. And now their children, their DNA has been transformed. So, here's what I wanted to tell you. Do you know that he is fascinated with you. He found you in the field. He found me in the field. And he was so mesmerized by the treasure. He was so fascinated with you. 
that he went and sold everything he had because he wanted you. He wanted the treasure. I can prove it. Over in Isaiah, in that same chapter we just read, he said, since you were precious in my sight. Since you were precious in my sight. In that whole chapter, if you read that chapter, it gets down to where God says, he says, I, I opened up streams for you in the desert and, I, and I'll refresh you and I'll give you. But Jacob, you wouldn't call on me. Remember Jacob? He says, Jacob, you wouldn't call on me. He said, you wouldn't give me any honey or money. It says sweet cane, but that's honey. Remember we talked about that Wednesday night. Or money. You, you didn't give me any sacrifice. But you did give me the burden of your sin. Now listen to this. He said, but I'm the one who blots out your transgressions. Who removes your sins for my own sake. Because you are precious in my sight. Stand with me. I want to encourage you. Be careful what I want you to see. Look at Miss Sandra. She's been through quite a, her and Barney both, but she's got this testimony on her neck that they found a carotid artery that was ninety percent blocked. Barney came to church that Sunday. And got a message from Miss Sandra said, you better come home now. She had collapsed in the kitchen, fainted in the kitchen. Took her to the hospital, was in the hospital several days, did that surgery, opened up that carotid artery, and she's back. <laughs> Timothy looks better than ever. Had, had leukemia. Oh, my goodness. Do you understand? Greg texted me today, last night, and said, don't think anything's wrong. Said, I'm going to be at the homecoming with my stepdaughter tomorrow. Me and Linda are going to be with them. So we just wanted to know we're all good. Come on, a man who was, who was in a coma uh, just a couple of three weeks ago is, has become the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You know what that means? He's, gonna, he's letting you see all that for His glory so that you'll know that He'll do the same thing for you. So I don't know what you might be carrying or what image you might have of yourself. Whatever you behold, you become. That's Wayne right there. Yeah. That's his middle name, right? So he's a builder. And he's saying amen. That's what he's saying. Yeah. He said, preach it, brother. <laughs> I love you so much. The, the Lord is in the house. I don't even know what time it is, but, but I can tell you that it's his time, right? So, so I want to tell you that God wanted me to declare to you to forget the former things. Get out of the past. Because I'm going to do a new thing. If I even told you, you wouldn't even be able to comprehend it. 
Paul says it like this. Eye has not seen. Ear hasn't heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man what the Lord has prepared for those that love him. Next verse, verse 11. But the Spirit, epigenetically, has revealed it unto us. I want you to see it. I want you to begin to see what He sees. There's a fresh oil and a fresh anointing right now that's flowing to you. And I want you to know that there's a transformation happening, the power of the Spirit of God. You never have to try to measure yourself by performance. You never have to measure yourself by the description of others. But you stand in the presence of God and in Him you have your beloved identity. You know who you are. And he's, I'm telling you, I'm not here to prophesy to you. I'm just to encourage you to look to him because there's about to be a transformation take place. Amen. I want to tell you, you know when it's God speaking. You know when it's him Let me tell you, I've had people prophesy over me. You're going to speak to the masses. You're going to speak to... I, I mean, I've had that many prophecies... And most of them never happen. But I'm okay with it. You know why? I understand. I understand it. Because I'd rather be right here with you. Because this is where God planted me. I'd, I'd rather be right here looking at Mike McGlone and his family at Bethel. Knowing what God did and touched in his life. Knowing the power of the testimony. So, so I want to expeditiously do this. I want you to slip your hand up for me. Nobody has the same thumbprint you have. You're unique. You're the Father's special treasure. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, you know whose hands are raised. You know our identity. You saw us before we ever came into the world. Took our first breath. Lord, we thank you that you've given us not only a, an identity, but Lord, you've given us also a destiny. So I pray right now, everything that stopped us, ooh, I feel the release of the Holy Spirit. Everything that has stopped us from becoming all that you've designed us to be, Lord. We thank you that it's broken out of our life, that we become everything you said we were and everything that has hindered us from destiny. Like Jacob, oh Lord, there's nothing can stop the blessing that's been uh, spoken over my life by you. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we call it done. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you.